Unfortunately, there is nothing that surprises us about the judge in Jesus' parable this morning. Not to defame the vast majority of judges, but the notion that there are judges who are corrupt or apathetic is nothing new to us, as I'm sure it wasn't for Jesus' listeners either, first listeners. We know that inevitably, some people in positions of power or authority will abuse their power. It is true in church, of course. It's true in business. And of course, it's true in government. Um, No names named there, but you all know that this is the case. Jesus plays into our recognition of this reality in today's parable. Here is this this judge who doesn't care one lick about God and doesn't care one lick about people. He doesn't care about the most basic aspect of his vocation. In some sense, he is a walking contradiction. He is an unjust judge. He is unjust justice. And as a living breathing contradiction. He can't be bothered to secure justice for the hero of our story, this widow. And yet, as we heard, the widow won't take his failure to act as the last word. She keeps after him. She pesters. She cajoles, and she perseveres. She keeps at him, and after a while, he he starts to worry that perhaps this woman will wear him out. Actually, the Greek here is delightful. He is literally worried that she might give him a black eye. (laughs) Literally. Of course, that might mean that he is worried about getting a figurative black eye, or... It might mean he's actually starting to get worried that she might sock him one, right? Which, of course, he no doubt deserves. And so, out of worry and fear, the unjust judge finds justice and grants it to the widow. At last, he lives into his identity as judge. Now, one of the things I find interesting about this parable is that Jesus tells it in order to encourage his disciples to pray always and to not lose heart. Now, of course, Jesus' point is not that God is like the unjust judge. For indeed, if this is your image of God, then it would be better for you to be an atheist. No, Jesus insists that God is always just and that God is always faithful. Therefore, God is not like this judge. Rather, Jesus is saying that even if if this worthless lump of a judge will find justice and grant it to the widow, how much more will God grant justice to those who faithfully cry out for it? Will God be long, Jesus says, in granting justice? Will God not answer? our prayers. 
Jesus offers the example of the unjust judge then as a contrast, right? A contrast to God. But I don't think that's the only reason that Jesus uses this example. For indeed, while I doubt many of us believe in a God that looks and acts like this judge, as this would not be a God worthy of worship or praise, sometimes, sometimes, we do experience God in this way. God is not the unjust judge, but at times, God does seem absent. God does seem uncaring. Or God seems silent in the face of grief or suffering or even great injustice. And therefore, at times, we wonder where God is and how God could allow something to happen. We question God's goodness or we question God's power. And in point of fact, we usually have to bend on one or the other of these things just to make sense of it all. We either affirm God's goodness or God's power or vice versa because we can't seem to make sense of our experience of life in any other way. We've got to pick one or the other. and We have to land somewhere. And maybe because of this, my experience has been that many, many committed Christians fail to live into the type of relationship of prayer that Jesus advocates for us this morning. The tendency is either to be overly pious and thus disingenuous and dishonest with God, or to wonder whether God listens or cares or acts in response to prayer at all. And so there is this great temptation, I think, to be dishonest in our prayer. And our dishonesty means that we do not bring our anger or our frustration or our fears to God. In our prayer, we might share only the nice things, only the pious thoughts, and never the dirt. We might only give God thanks and not give voice to disappointment. We might pray in the way that we think that God wants us to be and not in the way we truly are. And when we do this, We misrepresent ourselves and thus pray to God out of a facade. And in doing so, we let God off the hook and we fail to live fully into a relationship with God. To meet this, I think the widow from today's parable invites us to be real. She doesn't hesitate to call out the judge. She doesn't fail to persevere in her petitions. She rages, and she fumes, and she demands justice. And I can't help but think that Jesus is inviting us to the same sort of honesty in our relationship with God. Scripture is full of this sort of honest engagement with God. You need to look no further than today's lesson from the Hebrew Scriptures where Jacob wrestles with God and thus earns for himself a blessing and a new name. But it is not just Jacob 
The story of honest engagement with God goes from Abraham to Moses to the book of Psalms and to the prophets. The whole of Hebrew Scripture and really the entirety of the Bible invites us into a dynamic and honest relationship of prayer with God where we are empowered to give voice to the truth that sits in our hearts. The path of this sort of relationship of honesty is hard, right? Because honest relationships are sometimes hard. I once heard a, a, a saying attributed to an old preacher that has, that has always stuck with me. This preacher said, until you've stood at the door for years and knocked until your knuckles bleed, you do not know what prayer is. This has always struck me as right. I do not know what prayer is. But I also can't help but think that maybe I'm starting to learn along the way. And I wonder if that's not true for all of us. We're all just starting to learn to pray, no matter how accomplished we may seem to be in the spiritual arts. We are all just beginners. And yet, in order to get bloody knuckles, we have to stand at that door and we have to knock. And this means giving voice to our desires. It means giving, articulating our frustrations. Prayer is, is not a matter of spiritual skill. It's not a matter of method. It's not a matter of technique. Rather, prayer is a matter of paying attention and listening. Listening to our lives and listening for God's presence in our lives. And out of that space, out of that space of attentiveness and listening, then, then we can give honest voice to who we are and what we want through all of the ups and downs and twists and turns of life. Life is, n- is not a straight, simple or straightforward thing. And therefore, prayer will need to take the form of lament. It will need to take the form of protest, of anger and grief. Luke's gospel teaches us a lot about prayer. It's a, it's, a, it's a major theme throughout this gospel. Usually, before any big event, Jesus is to be found at prayer. So, for instance, before he's baptized, before Jesus receives the gift of the Holy Spirit, Jesus prays. Before he calls the 12 disciples, Jesus prays. Jesus prays from the beginning of the gospel at the beginning of his ministry, until the moment that he dies, when he is hanging on the cross. And Jesus also teaches his disciples about prayer. Jesus tells his disciples that God wants to provide for their most basic needs like food and clothing. But even more than these basic human needs, Jesus teaches that God wants to give us three great gifts, the Holy Spirit, justice, and God's kingdom. God wants to give us these gifts accessed through our prayer. That is, through our dynamic relationship 
with God. And in all of this, Jesus assures us that God is present. Julian of Norwich, that wonderful medieval mystic, wrote back in the day that prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's laying hold of God's willingness. God is present. And when we pray, we allow ourselves to enter into that presence. We allow ourselves to know the healing and the wholeness and justice that God offers. We allow ourselves, and through our actions, maybe even our world, to begin to be transformed. And I think this is especially true when God seems absent, where God's promises seem unrealized. For there will be times when what we long for will seem distant and unattainable. There will be times when what we long for will not come to be. There will be times where God does not seem to be present at all. And in all of this, Jesus invites us to wrestle with God, to wrestle with God just as Jacob did in today's Hebrew Scripture reading. Jesus invites us to keep knocking. For we do believe in a God who is faithful. We believe in a God who is just. We believe in a God who can even bring life out of death. Amen.